Podcast 43. In this podcast, we continue our study of Something by George Harrison. This time, we analyze the solo. As I previously mentioned in Podcast 42, I believe this solo had a profound effect on the evolution of the rock guitar solo. Let's look at its construction. The guitar solo is nine measures long, played against the background of the verse. Following the bridge section, which was in the key of A, we are back in the key of C major. We will go measure by measure. We hear a C major chord for four beats. Paul's descending bass line at the end of the bridge introduces the guitar solo. The notes of the C chord are C, E, and G. George plays D, E, G, E. D is the second of the chord, the E is the third, G is the fifth, and then back to E the third. So we have one non-chord tone, the note D, the rest are chord tones. The non-chord tone, an upward appoggiatura, this is a non-chord tone on a strong beat pulling up or down to a chord tone. Very expressive. The rhythm here is two sixteenths and an eighth, then followed by a quarter note. The two sixteenths and an eighth, as we have seen in the song, is a rhythmic motif used throughout. Listen carefully to George's use of vibrato, bends, and his use of subtle inflections on the notes. Notice the difference as they are played straight. He is giving the notes a voice-like quality as opposed to the typical rock solo of that era and before. And I truly believe this was noticed by many guitarists, influencing a generation of players. In the second measure, we have a C major seventh, C, E, G, and B. In the analysis of the song, I mentioned how this chord, very expressive, is used in jazz and the impressionistic style of music. This second measure features the same DE to begin with, now jumping instead of to G up to an A, the 13th. A, you might say, is the sixth of the chord, but when you have a major seventh, then technically it would be the 13th. Importantly, notice how we've gone a little higher from a G to an A. Then he goes back down to G and E. Adding in more sixteenths, it's more rhythmically active. Notice the incredible difference between the plain written notes and the way he interprets it. The third measure features a C7 chord. The notes are C, E, G, and B flat. And this is the five chord in the key of F. In podcast 42, the analysis of the song itself, I explain all these different chords and their use. Let's listen to the third measure. Actually, we just heard the third measure and the first half of the fourth measure because I did not want to break up the phrase. The first thing to notice is the building intensity. In the beginning of this measure, George plays D-E-G-A-G. In other words, those were the notes we've heard in the first two measures. So he's recalling those measures, and the D-E-G is that little motive that started everything each measure so far. This time, he goes up to the B-flat, the seventh of the chord, 
then the C, the root, then C, D, C. He goes up to a high D now. So the line goes from a D up to a high D. First he plays D, E, G, A, G. The D and the E has started every measure so far. The G, A, G, the G is a chord tone. The A, the sixth, back to the G, can be thought of as an auxiliary note. Then we have, goes higher now, B flat to C, and then we have C, D, C. The C, D, C, which is the root, the ninth, back to the root, is also a chord tone, auxiliary, and back to chord tone. This is called a sequence. I'll play G, A, G, and then C, D, C. great touch is G-A-G is two sixteenths and an eighth, and C-D-C is an eighth and two sixteenths, the opposite. As we enter the fourth measure against the F chord, George plays E, high E, then comes down D-C-A. This is very important. Everything we've heard up to now is leading to this high E, and against the F, it's a major seventh, uh, the expressive note again. I know it goes by very fast, but this is the goal he's been reaching for. Everything up to now has been eighth notes and sixteenth notes. When he reaches the A, the third of the chord, it's a quarter note. So he's resting on this note. Notice also that we move upward. Everything up to this point has been moving in an upward line. In the song, the motive has been a descending line. Everything has been descending. So here we have opposition. I will play the notes one at a time now so we can hear this line. Now I will play it slowly the way he plays it with the rhythms he uses. As I said earlier, in jazz and classical music, many times a line like this will be the foundation of a solo with added notes and embellishments, but the line up or down or wave motion will create direction, continuity, and understanding. Measure four, which we've just entered, is an F chord, F-A-C. On the third beat against the F chord, we hear A-C-C-A, the third and fifth of the chord. Then the chord moves to a C chord for one beat, the fourth beat of that measure, and we hear a sequence, E-G-G-E, -G -G -E, the third, fifth of the C chord. After the high point of that E, we're coming back down. Now, I know it goes by really fast because there are 16th notes, but notice the A, C, C, A. A and C are used in the introduction. This is a main technique of Beethoven, recalling the past and forecasting the future. Now, let's listen to the fifth measure. 
against the D7 chord, D, F sharp, A, and C, the secondary dominant, D7, leads to the G chord, we hear an A quarter note, the fifth of the chord. Then, for the first time in the solo, and in fact the song, George plays an eighth note triplet. We have an A, the lowest note in the song, then we have A, B, A, eighth note triplet, then D, F sharp, F sharp, another eighth note triplet, and then two eighth notes, B, A. Here we have a rising line again. That second A is tied over, so it's held. You can see how the notes are totally transformed by the way he plays them. This measure is very important because it leads to the next measure, which I think is the most important measure of the solo. It is the high point. It is the true climax of the solo. This sixth measure approximates what is referred to in classical music as the golden section. The Fibonacci sequence and the golden mean reveal an extraordinary phenomenon that occurs throughout nature, art, music, and mathematics. Artists such as da Vinci and musicians such as Bella Bartok have constructed whole works using these formulas. But for our purposes, the golden section of a shorter piece would be about 66% through, where something very important would happen. In this measure, the harmony features the G chord for one beat, A minor seventh for one beat, and back to G for two beats, as we have seen in the verse. On the first beat against the G chord, George plays B, A, B, A as 16th notes. Now we have just heard the B, A and the previous measure played as 8th notes. And this is the third, second, third, and second of the chord. On the second beat, against the A minor 7th, he plays the note G twice. First, a dotted 8th, and then a 16th. This is the 7th against the minor 7th chord. The third beat is very, very important. The notes are D flat, the flatted 5th, C the 4th, B the 3rd, and then up to E, the 6th of the chord. The descending line motive that we've heard before. For the first time, we have a dissonant non-chord tone, the flatted fifth. This is used extensively in jazz. So the notes here, those three notes move down in half steps. Then it jumps up to the E, a fourth. I feel those three notes and the three that will follow are the most memorable gesture of the solo. That jump up to the high E is the high point of the solo. He's prepared it beautifully with the D flat just under the note then coming down and then jumping up. Whenever you jump into a note, you're emphasizing that note. Then he plays E, E flat, D, descending again with a sequence. When we listen to these notes, just plain and simple, and then the way he plays it, you see what a musician can do with one note, especially on a guitar. When you have a saxophone and you breathe into it, it's one thing, or your voice, but to be able to do this on a guitar is an amazing gift. As in a book or a movie, after we reach the climax, we start to wind down with a reference to the opening. We hear the notes E, D, E, D, C played twice. 
which uses the notes of the opening only in reverse order. And then in the eighth measure, he plays EDC, the ED again, and then a C chord, CEG, up to that high E one more time, comes down EDCDC. All this is played against that A minor chord for two measures, as we discussed in the previous podcast, creating A minor, A minor sharp 7, A minor 7, and A minor 6 with the bass. So after the climax of measure 6, we come down, then we go back way up to the highest note of the song, the E, one more time, creating that wave motion I spoke about earlier. And then to lead us into the third verse, we have the introduction, that one measure introduction. The architecture and planning is perfect. The construction of this solo is a textbook example of how to construct a musical statement. The thematic development, repetition, sequences, alluding to past, present, and future events, melodic and rhythmic motives, a climax at the golden section, the use of tension and calm through chord and non-chord tones, and accelerating and dig-accelerating rhythms. And probably most important, as we have seen from the contrast of the way he plays the note and the way it's on the paper, how subtle nuances can change what's printed on a page into colors and then into a story. Thank you so much for listening. Take care. Joe.